Well, hello, everybody, wherever you are right now, uh, whether you're at one of our physical locations as we're now regathering at at all of our uh, campuses or you're online, wherever you are, uh, we're really glad you're here. It's an important weekend for all of us as individuals and as a church, as you'll see. So you came at a great weekend. But uh, one thing that we all have in common is that you and I are here. Uh, Wherever you are, this is where I am right now. This is my little you are here button. Um, But if Google Maps is following you around, you're somewhere, right? We're all somewhere. Isn't that profound? You're somewhere. Everybody, wherever you are around the world, around the country right now, uh, watching this service. But it's, of course, bigger than that. Yeah, everywhere we are around the world, we're somewhere. But that's really not the exciting thing we have in common. The exciting thing we have in common is that you are where you are Because God has placed you where you are with a purpose that you and I are not just here, wherever here is, you're here with a purpose. And the Bible talks about that, that God thought about you even before the foundations of the earth. He gifted you. He equipped you. He has called you. The invitation is there for you, not just to be here for us or here for whatever, but here for good to be here with a much bigger purpose. And some of you, I know, feel very purposeful and you feel like, yeah, I'm pretty gifted. I see what you're talking about. But a lot of people don't like the other day, uh, Friday, I was I was wearing some running. uh, They weren't shorts. They were like pants, running pants, the kind that don't have pockets, which are really annoying. And I lost my wallet for a while. Uh, I tried to put my wallet in the waistband thinking that'd be fine. And then I couldn't find it. And it was a thing. But it has a little tiny, when I was looking for my wallet, it has this little tiny pocket. One little pocket, like in the waistband, that's maybe one inch by one inch. Uh, And I was thinking, man, what is the purpose of this? Like, it can't hold, certainly can't hold my wallet, can't hold keys, can't even hold a credit card. Uh, I mean, what what would it possibly be there for? And I thought, well, maybe, you know, it can hold a quarter. So maybe if you're going to Aldi and they make you put that thing in the basket, you know, to get it. Maybe that's the only thing I could think of. And some of you may feel like that little useless pocket in running shorts. Thinking, what's what am I here for? You know, and if you feel that way, I, I understand, you know, right, there's probably reasons for that, but it's not true. God has a purpose for you and it is there. It's available for you and I to live into should we choose to. And if you think about it, there's so much out of control in our world. And we feel that in 2020 more than any other time, uh, at least in my lifetime, right? It's that you just realize how out of control we are of so many things. But there's one thing that you're in complete control of, and it's a really big thing. You are in complete control of the amount of impact, the amount of purpose you choose to live your life with. I mean, God has teed up the opportunity. He wants to use you in what he's doing in the world. He's gifted you. He's called you. He's ready for you to join him. But you and I will either blow it off, live for something smaller, or just not really believe it. Here's what we're talking about today. God invites us to join him in what he's doing in the world, to reach those who are lost to him and restore all that is broken. God is at work and he invites you and me to join us in all that is broken in this world. And we're going to see that. It's really the mission of Jesus. We're talking in this series, Love Like Jesus. Jesus didn't live for himself. He lived for others. He was not just here. He was here for good. He was here with a purpose. And he invites us to join him in that same purpose, as we'll see, to reach those who are lost to him and restore all that is broken. 
Now, when Jesus came, we're going to look at, at, a, at a story that illustrates the Jesus purpose and then talk a little bit more about, well, what does that mean for me? Like, how can I live a life of greater purpose? And this story is in Luke 19. And uh, if you're following along with me in the Bible, and there's a lot of stories I could pick from because Jesus actually talked a lot about him coming and why he was here and his purpose in coming because he wasn't just here. He was here with a purpose. Like he didn't come just to visit. Like he went, you know, I've never been to Waco. You know, see that Chip and Joanna Gaines thing, the tower and, you know, maybe get some shiplap for heaven. I'd be, we don't have enough shiplap up here. You know, we get some of that or, you know, he didn't come for that. He didn't come even to be honored as God, though that would make sense because he is God. But he didn't come to create a bunch of, you know, people to say, wow, you're amazing and all that. And, and, and he could have done that spectacularly, but he didn't. He came on a rescue mission. And that rescue mission is still going on. And he not only wants to rescue and me from our lives without God to pull us in, but he also wants to use you and me in that mission. And one of the times he talks about that is in Luke chapter 19. It's a story that if you grew up in church, you probably have heard it. Um, Even if you went to church every now and then with your grandmother, you may have heard it. It's a story of a Jesus and a tax collector, which was considered by religious people, as we'll see in the story, to be especially sinful, like yucky, uh, cooties kind of person. And his name was Zacchaeus. You heard of Zacchaeus? What do we know about Zacchaeus legacy crowd? He was a wee little man. Absolutely. Zacchaeus. Let's think. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yeah. Some of you right now are saying, thinking, I'm so glad I didn't grow up in church. You know, I, I didn't miss anything. Um, well, it's okay. So Zacchaeus was a short guy. He goes up in a you know, tree to see Jesus. Jesus sees him. But Jesus walks to him to hang with him because he knows this guy is a guy who's looking for God. And Jesus is God in human form. So he comes and, and, and connects with him. But the religious people, it says mutter. You ever mutter under your breath? M-U-T-T-E-R. Not your mother. Mutter. It says he is. And they mutter when they see him hanging out with him. He has gone to. These are the religious leaders, the religious people. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Ooh. Isn't it sad that it's often religious people that miss the heart of God? It's religious people that miss the heart of Jesus. Because the heart of Jesus is to love people, not to look down their nose at people. And, and, and every religious group does this. It, it just it, it's like a, a, a magnet this direction or a rubber band this direction. We always have to fight that you just sort of start feeling really good about yourself and your religion, acti- religious activities. And then you begin to look down your nose at people who aren't as good as you in your mind. We're all the same. But and you pick out particular sins or particular struggles to be like, oh, that's really bad, which is messed up. And they did that with people like Zacchaeus, tax collectors. But, of course, Jesus didn't do that because he wasn't a religious person. He, he was he was about loving. He wasn't about being religious. If you want to follow Jesus, it's not about being religious. It's about loving like Jesus. And so he goes and he um, and he spends hangs out with him, eats dinner, spends the night with him. And as a result, Zacchaeus's life has changed forever. He has a relationship with God, a whole new purpose. He's rectifying what he's done wrong. And, and Jesus comes out of the house. People are waiting to see, like, wow, what's going to happen? And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house for the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is saying, look, I'm not just here. I'm here with a purpose. I came here with a purpose to seek and to save 
the lost. Now, what are the lost? Well, the lost is just anybody who, any human being who does not yet have a connection with their creator, with God. And in that sense, it's lost to him. If you, and Jesus came for you and me to seek and to save anybody who doesn't have a relationship with him. That's why he came into this world, to make it possible. And when you see the word save, a lot of times we think, if you've hung around church a lot, that that means we'll save from hell. So that we can go to heaven, and that's true. But it's bigger than that. That word translated save, it's sozo in the Greek, means to, it means to deliver, but also means to make whole, to heal. There's all this stuff that's broken in our lives, and God wants to begin, not only to when, when we die, to be able to go to heaven, but to begin to change our lives now and to make us whole now and to move into our brokenness now and to make our lives what he wanted it to be, that sin is messed up. He came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus, on that rescue mission that started it, is now in heaven. But the mission continues. And guess who he gave that mission to? To us. When we're found, he said, as the father has sent me, so send I you. Jesus was not just here. He was here with a mission. That mission has been handed to you and me if we're found. And by the way, for some of you, think if you think, man, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if God's really interested in me or not, or if he hates me or I don't know, because I've done some. Jesus came for you. And if you don't have yet have a relationship with God then he wants to know you. He wants to invade your life with his love and with his grace and with his mercy, with his transformation, and then sign you and me up. Once we're found, it's not just about us. It's about those who have yet to be found. He invites us to join him in the urgency of his mission to reach those who are lost and to move all that is move into all that is broken. I, I don't know if you've ever lost something significant and panicked. Like uh, one time, one of my kids lost their passport just before they were supposed to fly home from overseas. Well, all you can think about is we got to find that passport, right? You can't think about anything else. Or um, kids. You know, I had uh, uh, my youngest kid, who's now not a kid anymore, he's a young adult. But I just prayed, God, would, would you just help us keep him alive until five and we don't lose him until five. And then we feel like the best parent in the world. And uh, because he was just everywhere. And some of you grew up in our church or, or been around our church a long time. And you're like, yeah, I remember. You remember Caleb? Yeah. And because uh, he's very active, very happy, very active little guy. So uh, we lost him a couple times. And uh, one time at a fair. And it was, you know, and, and after that, we before this was cool or cute, we made a harness for him. You couldn't buy him then. I mean, now they have these cute little backpack things like with a teddy bear and it has like a leash, but they don't call it a leash. I don't know what they call it. And people see it like, oh, that's so cute. Look at that family, little teddy bear guy and all that. And back then when we made this harness with a leash on him, um, when we would go places, people would call 911. Like they were like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I can't believe. I mean, people would literally walk by and say, I can't believe you have your child on a leash. Like if you had this child and you wanted to keep him, you would too. I promise you. Because we didn't want to lose him. And because there was a time we did at the fair, like I said, and it was terrifying. And all we could think about was him. We couldn't think about anything else. Every, everything, I mean, our whole urgency and our whole focus, our whole everything was finding this child that was lost to us. And a few people helped us out that we didn't even know. They said, we're going to help you. And they did. And I will be for, I've, I've never seen them again, but I'll be forever grateful for them because they shared my urgency. 
And what Jesus is saying is, will you share my urgency for those who are lost and for all those who are crying out to God for help in brokenness and in need? And they don't know if I if there's even a God who gives a flip. And they and, and I do. And I want to use you to be my hands and feet in this world. I want to move into that need. I want to use you to help people connect to their creator, to connect to me, those who are lost. And that's the privilege that you and I get to say yes to or not. Because, again, the wonderful reality is that God invites us to join him in what he's doing in the world to reach those who are lost to him and restore all that is broken. And today is an opportunity for you and me to consider our lives in light of that purpose. If some of you are new to God or Jesus or figuring out, I just want you to understand that following Jesus is not about doing religious stuff. Following Jesus is about loving like Jesus and joining him in what he's doing in this planet. And, and, and as we invite his presence into our own life, as we're found, he begins to transform us and change us as we engage his mission. That's what it means to follow Jesus. We live like he does. We love like he does. And for those of us who are Jesus followers, an opportunity, because there's always this rubber band toward us uh, here for me life. It's just like a magnet that just keeps in our sin nature. And we every once in a while have to say, you know what? I don't want to live a here for me life. I want to live a here for others life, a here for good life. I want to be part of what God's doing. Not live for stupid stuff, but his purposes. And as a church, same thing. There's always this magnet for any church, Chase Oaks, any church toward, hey, we're just it's about us. And we're here as a group of religious people doing our thing. And yeah, lots of stuff's going on in the world right now. But, but man, we're, we got our thing going. And there's always this pull to be here for me, church, rather than join Jesus in what he's doing. And so every once in a while, we got to ask ourselves that question as a church. And, and occasionally, God will give us a huge challenge, a huge step to take as a church. And you've heard us talk about here for good and here for a good weekend um, for our church. And for those of you who are new to Chase Oaks, this will give you an idea of what I'm about to say of what we're all about. For those of us who are part of Chase Oaks, understand when I talk about the church today, I'm not talking about somebody else. If you leave it, I think that's so cool what the church is doing. That's so great. I'm, and that's awesome. I mean, that's great. That's not what's going on here because the church is you and me. God has put it. That's all it is. It's just you and me. There's not like somebody else. And this what God has put in front of us as a church is going to take everybody, every single one of us who are part of our church to say, you know what, God, what do you want me to do? What, what you know, because and this is going to be really cool. And there's a lot of cool things going on. And you're about to hear them. And it's going to set the course for our next couple of years. But I'm going to ask you, challenge you to say, God, what is my part in this? Because there's opportunities to serve. And make it happen. And if we don't, it won't happen. There's opportunities to give, to be able to fund all this stuff. It's how God does it. Um, and if we're not asking the question, God, what is my part? Then it's not going to happen. We'll go as far as a church as you and I, as we go individually. That's just that because the church is us. But it is cool. So let me talk about the project a little bit or what God has put in front of us. Because it's how God grows our church. It's We, we kind of grow slow, steady, you know, like 6 8% a year. And then... Boom, there's one of these steps. That's a big faith step for our church and for each one of us. And if, you, if you've been around in, uh, back earlier in the spring, in February, we were talking about Here for Good. We even had a Here for Good weekend back then before COVID, right before COVID hit. 
And we were going to do this thing where we we're going to, you know, raise the money for it and do the thing. And it was like, yeah, this is so great. And then COVID hit. We had to shut down our physical meetings and we pushed pause on um, the on the project. And as a pastor, that's depressing because we were ready to go and it was going to be awesome. And then it stopped. And it's like, well, bummer, you know, and then but we poured ourselves into serving the community and the pandemic. And but here's my big learning from 2020. Is that disruptions are God's way of doing something new. That was a major disruption. But it's because God was wanting to do something new. Some of you right now are facing major disruption. I mean, certainly COVID is a major disruption for all of us and there's ripple effects, but other things, too. And uh, and I know that I mean, you a health issue or you've lost someone or a job or your business or I mean, it's just this 2020 is all about disruption, it seems like. And whenever we're disrupted, it's really, really easy to just want to go back to safety. I just can't wait till it goes back the way it was before. Can I just let us all know this? It's not going back to the way it was before. There's the past is gone. Right. That's the nature of what God does and how the world like there's no more. It's not going it's not going to go back to the way it was before because that that past doesn't exist anymore. But here's the great news. God has a whole new future and it's better because God wants to do something new. And in your business, in your marriage, in your life, in your family, if you're experiencing some disruption, say, OK, God, what is the new thing you're wanting to do? And as a church, I mean, this is a, here for good is it's so cool to remind us of that, because what I'm about to share is the same components I would have, that we shared back in February. Same big components, but they're all new. They're all actually better in ways that would have never happened if COVID had never happened, because that's how God uses disruptions like this first one. To launch new campuses in this big step that we're going to that we're talking about over these next couple of years to launch new campus campuses in partnership with the YMCA. Our prayer is to be able to launch three new Chase Oaks campuses in partnership with the YMCA. Uh, and let me just briefly. Well, why would we do that? Well, we learned a long time ago that the best way to reach there's 800,000 non-church people in our community. The best way to reach the 800,000 and to meet needs in our community as well is not. We believe, at least for our church, not to say, let's build, build one big regional mega campus and tell the 800,000, hey, everybody come to us. But instead, no, we're coming to you, neighborhood by neighborhood, where we can invite our friends right there, where we can do life together right there, where we can serve needs locally and all that. And so we have, you know, five with online church, now six campuses. We'll talk about that in a second. And we want to add three more. And yet the big hurdle to that is, well, where do you do that? How do you do? I mean, facilities is a big thing. So that's where the YMCA comes in, because during the pandemic time, we were able to partner with the YMCA. And this is so cool to basically we were able in that time to say to all essential workers in DFW, hey, if you need child care, which was the biggest need, if you need child care, we've got you covered. And we were able to do that. And it was awesome. And through that process with the YMCA realized, wow, we've got similar heartbeats. We've got like, let's do this. Let's keep doing this stuff together. They have 25 locations throughout the DFW area. And they said, you know what? We'd love Chase Oaks to be at all of them, if that's what you want. Like we would, you know, just to reach our community and to serve together and all that. And so I don't know that we're going to do 25, but we want to do, you know, over this next couple of years, three. Not only and that would have never happened without COVID. Not only that, 
Um, it's not just a place to meet. It's, we're going to serve together with their team and our team and all that. So it's going to be cool. Uh, Richardson is already there. Uh, those of you at Richardson right now, you know that because you're there um, in a YMCA, which has been awesome. Um, but in addition to that, because our church now is our, our footprint has grown because we're primarily a digital church now, you know, right? For, because as people start to come back and all that, but we've reached many, many thousands of people more than we ever would have dreamed online. And many of you are new to our church online. And that means our footprint is bigger. So if you'd asked me even a year ago, hey, do you, will we ever start a campus outside of our little area right here, the 800,000? I'd say no. Uh, I mean, maybe if I was some celebrity pastor or something like that, but I'm not. And I have no pretension of that. I, I'm not deluded that way. I, you know, I'm not going to ever be that. I don't want to be that. And uh, but so, no, doesn't make any sense. Except now. Uh, not because it was a celebrity thing, but everything's changed because of COVID. Because now as we've reached all these people online, places where there's not Chase Oaks kind of churches, like I, one of you I heard from, from Soldotna, Alaska. And you're like, I'm so glad I found Chase Oaks. And I promise you, we do not have a Chase Oaks kind of church in Soldotna, Alaska. And they're probably right. They don't. Um, but there's other groups of people and all. And so there's a group in San Antonio, one of our former pastors, uh, Matt Snellings, uh, a little core people in the west part around SeaWorld where Shamu is. Maybe Shamu will become a Chase Oaker. Um, is, uh, wanted, they wanted, hey, would you help us start a church? Because we need a Chase Oaks kind of church here. And, uh, and as we talked about it, they said, look, we'd much rather be a campus of Chase Oaks. And so we, we want this time next year to have Chase Oaks San Antonio. It looks like it's going to happen. So it's pretty cool. And uh, we'll just be sensitive to what God is doing wherever, wherever he wants us. But that would have never happened without COVID. And, the, and again, disruption is God's way of doing something new or engage in digital missions. We knew that was a big deal, right? Because where are people 90% of their waking hours, right? They're right there. Even in a romantic moment, they're right there. And, and it's not like either one of them be offended either, right? It's just the way we are. It's just, the, it's just normal. And if we're going to reach people as missionaries, we've got to reach people where they are. And that's where they are. And so we knew that was important before COVID. It was already part of the project. But wow, is it important now? Uh, for one, that means online church. And uh, online church was important. It was our fastest growing uh, campus uh, before COVID. Certainly now is like our way biggest campus. And yet a lot of you who are new to Chase Oaks are new because you're online. And it's great. And we love you being online. But you need to understand, uh, and I, I think you do, that God is going to want you to take God is going to want you to take new steps. That watching online and participating that way is great, and you apply what God says, and it, your life's going to be better. You're going to grow. But we need to be in community. We need to be serving. There's just and so we brought on an online campus pastor who'll be building teams to just help uh, that campus and people in that campus take steps uh, with God to continue their spiritual journey. But also digital missions means reaching people outside of our online campus, too, like search engine optimization. If somebody's searching in our area for, let's say, they're discouraged or thinking about suicide or is there a God or anything like that, that we, they'd be able to find uh, Jesus because uh, of, of our efforts there. Um, we'll have YouTube stuff and social media stuff and all kinds of stuff. Our prayer is to reach hundreds of thousands of people through, and we'll be building teams of digital missionaries. And some of you are already wired that way. And we want to know about that because there'll be opportunities for you to serve. And then bring hope to our community, local good center and local good cafes. 
we were already going to expand the family center in the previous project, the pre-COVID Here for Good project. We have a family center in East Plano that works with largely immigrant community there doing ESL, uh, English as Second Language classes and citizenship classes and lots of other stuff to lift up that community in the name of Jesus. And it's great. And there's a waiting list for everything. So we wanted to triple the size of it to meet the need. Well, now it's way expanded. We're going to do that. We're going to expand it beyond that and call it something different too, the local good center rather than the family center because there's multiple reasons for that. Sometimes people think we hand out things for family planning and we don't do that. Um, but uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about there. But anyway, so with a local good center, um, think of it this way. So there's uh, um, when we looked at as we served the needs of the community in covid, one of the things that happens is it, it surfaced for us the gaps of care. Like where there are needs that are unmet. So we do everything we do as a church as much as possible through partners. We find community partners who are already doing great stuff. They're already experts. We don't have to be experts in everything. But we can come alongside with resources and volunteers and help them do it better. And many of you serve in those partnerships, and we will continue to do that. But through this, we've seen, wow, there's some gaps where nobody is there. And we believe God is calling us there. And, and so the local good center will house those. Now, you'll, you're going to have to go online to see the details of this because it's way too much for me to. I'm just going to give you a sample. But think about it this way. When you look at the United States of America, you can divide us into one third and two thirds. And I'm talking socioeconomically. So one third of America socioeconomically is doing relatively well. Even in COVID, like even in this time period we're in, it's scary. It's uncertain for everybody. I get it. But. Probably most of that one third is going to do fine, even through COVID. And their kids have enough access to education and other things that they may have bumps and bruises and do stupid things. But they've got enough access to stuff that they're probably going to do fine, too. Then you have the two thirds of America that's from a socioeconomic perspective is not doing fine. And they're not doing fine through this time period and their kids are probably not going to do that great either. And the gap of disparity between the one-third and two-thirds is growing. Deeper, harder to get over, and wider. And any time you're in the one-third, or like most of the people I'm talking to right now are in the one-third. Some of you are like, no, I'm in the two-third, which is awesome. That we, you know, we, I love that, that you're in our church and we want to help you move from the two-thirds to the one-third. But most of the people that I'm talking to are one-third people. And whenever you're the one-third people, it's biblically our responsibility to, if we have, to loan access to those who don't, to help those who don't move over. So think of it as building bridges of opportunity to move from the two-thirds to the one-third over that disparity gap. Not just giving money that creates dependency, but giving opportunity and, uh, in order to cross over. So let me give you some examples of that, that we, this we are already doing and will continue to do, pivot staffing, which the best way to get people out of poverty, we believe, is to give yes, jobs that are good jobs. Well, how do you do that? Well, it means working with employers. It also means working with education, but it also means helping people who are not employable become employable through life skills training and job training and all that kind of stuff. And that's working and it's, we'll continue that. Those graduating out of foster care, aging out of foster care is another big thing. So we have we work with law enforcement uh, already to do an expungement program to help people with a first time nonviolent felony who would likely with that felon just 
keep spiraling down into more felonies, into more crime and, and all that. But this is an opportunity, you know, working with law enforcement to find those, hey, for those who second chance would be a great thing, like they would take it. It's an opportunity to have a second chance, to have it expunged from their record. But they go through our process. They go through tra- they go through mentoring and tra- life training and uh, job training and all this kind of stuff in order to be able to have a second chance at it, which is awesome. Well, the Dallas County saw what we were doing there and the success with that. And Dallas is concerned about kids graduating out of foster care or aging out of foster care. And they should be because the statistics are really bad. Just a few years after, like in your young 20s, after somebody ages out, 40 percent of them are on government assistance or incarcerated. Forty percent of them are drug and alcohol abusers. Fifty one percent are unemployed. Forty six percent have not graduated from high school. Eighty six percent have become parents in less than ideal situations. And they're like, man, we don't want that to continue. And we don't either. So they said, would you help us as a church take them through the same training, like in mentoring and, and all that? Would you do that? And we said, no. No, we didn't say no. We said, yes, of course we will do that. Um, for, there'll be a preventative health clinic. You can read about it. If you're in the health field, perk up on that one. If you're a nutrition or doctor or nurse or something like that, because it's a big gap in our area. Also, a healthy food pantry. Uh, will be part of this a revolving bail fund for single moms. If that raises questions, good. Read about it. Go online. And uh, this is for kind of real low level crimes and uh, nonviolent stuff and all that. But if you're a single mom, it's probably not even a crime you'll ever go to jail for. But if you can't do bail and it's not much money, but if you're a single mom, you don't have money. It doesn't matter. Then even while you're waiting for your trial, whether you're guilty or not, which could take months, you're going to Lose your job. You're going to lose your kids. You're, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that happens. This is an opportunity to come alongside those moms in the name of Jesus. And then educate. You can read about it. Okay, I've got to move on. But here's the, um, well, in addition to here for good, our local good center is local good cafe. Have you heard about that? So local good cafe is coffee with a cause. So it's two things. It's, it's combining really good coffee, which to me is an oxymoron because I don't like coffee. Um, you know, but... You do. Some of you do. And Jesus loves you. So I do, too. I don't understand you, but um, it's because coffee is nasty. But anyway, so really good coffee. And uh, but with a cause, because we're trying to rebrand Christianity in our community. People think Christians are not people who love like Jesus. Right. And we want them to know, hey, no, real Christians are. That's what Jesus said. This is how people know you're my disciples if you love like I do. Right. And so. We so but they're never going to know that just if they don't come to church. Right. And 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 so uh, we want to we know a lot of our friends that we're inviting will never come to it. Hey, would you come to church with me and all that? Some people will, which is awesome. We do church that way. We do church invitationally, a place where we can invite anybody. But a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't think so. But to come to a cafe, to come to you know local good coffee shop uh, where they'll be. It, so it'll be built around. There'll be not just good coffee, but also programming around people who want to serve the community together. It'll highlight what's going on in the local good center. And uh, it'll also be what well, the hope is to have them at each of these uh, places like the YMCA's where we don't have permanent locations so that there is also meeting space during the week for men's, women's, youth, that kind of thing to be able to happen at the cafe. Again, you could read about that. So here's what God has put in front of us. New campuses in partnership with the YMCA, digital missions, the local good center and local good cafes. And all of them have gotten better because of the disruption of COVID. I'm I'm not saying I'm happy about COVID, 
But I love how God works. And it's right in front of us as a church. And for some of you, um, you know, you, you might think, well, I'm kind of new to church and you're about to ask me to like serve or give money and all that. And I don't think so. Or I'm too, I, that's okay. You at least understand what we're about. Others of you might be getting cynical because you can smell where I'm going. You're thinking, hey, if we're going to do this, we've got to pay for it, right? That's part of it. It's a project. And, and this, over the next year, our goal is to raise uh, pledges of $8 million, like for us to pledge over this next couple of weeks. Um, not everybody pledge $8 million, so that'd be cool, but, you know, enough to get collectively to $8 million. And you're like, hey, look, say I knew all, all churches want is money. And all. If you're cynical, if you don't want to give money, if you can't do it cheerfully, please don't. Give it somewhere else. God wants you to live a generous life. And if you don't trust it here, I get it. That's okay. Give somewhere else. But for those of us who are part of this thing and we understand what God's doing, understand the church is just you and me. Like this will only happen if all of us engage that God wants us, that God wants to engage. The church is just us. And this isn't going to happen because a couple people do that. This is going to happen with all of us. And just to ask the question, God, what do you want me to give financially? Above and beyond my regular giving, and what do you want me? How do you want me to serve? And this is above and beyond regular giving. There's, um, you know, God says, you know, for those of you who are Jesus people, there's regular giving, which is set aside a percentage of your income right off the first of your budget and give, and that's the way things are funded generally in church, and that's awesome. And many of you are faithful at doing that. This is a over and above that opportunity. And you think, well, how do you pray about that? Like, how do you think about that? And the good news is, the Bible tells us. Because in 2 Corinthians, there's one of these projects, like a local good or here for good project. And here's how Paul told the church then, 2,000 years ago, to pray about it, how we should pray about it. First, just a sacrificial gift. Uh, Paul says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, they were two-thirds, they were in poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service for the Lord's people. They had to beg to get into the project because Paul was like, no, you guys are you got no you're in poverty. You didn't know. And they're like, what do you mean? No. Uh, they gave him even beyond their ability and, and giving above and beyond our regular giving is sacrificial because it cuts into our life. Right. Our spending or savings or whatever. Um, it needs to be fitting. Paul says, for if the willingness is there, like, yeah, I want to be part of it. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. A lot of times people are discouraged when you hear millions of dollars. He's like, I can't give millions of dollars. I can give $20 a month. I can give $10 a month. But what's that? Well, that's, again, Paul is saying, that's okay. Some people have a lot of ability. Some people have not so much ability. It takes all kinds of gifts to pull this off. I mean, if you have a thousand people that give a hundred dollars, right? You can do the math. But then there, there are people on the top end of the pyramid that God's given a lot. The Bible says to whom much has been given, much is required. There's people who can give a million dollars. There's people who can give a hundred dollars, right? And it just, it takes everybody. So Paul's just saying, that's the way this works. Also give expectantly. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, plant sparingly, will harvest sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously, meaning God will respond. Now, people abuse that all the time, you know, faith evangelists and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it's still a true principle that God responds generosity, generosity. You and I've learned a long time ago with these kind of projects, you're not going to outgive God. With faith, meaning stretch yourself a little bit. 
as you think about, God, what do you want me to pledge? If I'm going to be part of this, how do I do that number? Well, you do a number and then stretch yourself a little bit. Allow God to work. It says now he supplies seeds to the sower. Bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's an opportunity for God to show up. And each time I did, I remember the first time we did one of these projects. It was called Imagine. My hands were literally shaking when I wrote down my our pledge. And now that doesn't really happen as much anymore because God, I've done it enough where kind of faith grows a, a little bit. And you realize, okay, God, you're going to enable, you're going to show up. And then last, it needs to be joyful as you're praying about this. And, and if you're a married couple, you need to talk about this and, and come out, hey, what do we want to do as a couple? Or even with your family, talk about it with your family if you have kids. But it needs to be joyful. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. You decide in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What God is saying is he doesn't want grumpy money. And if you, he, he doesn't need it. There's going to be enough people at Chase Oaks to, who are excited about doing what they're doing to pull it off. And so consider that. It would be better to give less if you can do it cheerfully than more if you're going to be grumpy about it. And so just consider that. Um, and our heart, you know, your heart will grow over time and all that kind of stuff. But that's that's a part of it. So as you think about this, let me just get really, really practical. Because in order to do this for all those who are willing, it's an opportunity to say, OK, I want to be part of this. It's over the next year, over the next 12 months. Um, what could I pledge in order to either pull this off or not? It's an eight million dollar project. We'll go as far in the project as you and I go raising money. That's just the way it works. And. Right now, if you just go ahead and pull out your phone wherever you are, here in the room or at home or whatever room you're on, like I can see you in the room, like pull out your phone, just humor me, um, and text HFG to 58578. And the reason I want you to do that is not to make a pledge right now. Some of you may be ready, and that's fine, but that's not the point. But if you're like me, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to remember 58578. Um, and uh, text HFG right now. Text HF, HFG to 578. Because what will happen is you'll get the link and then make it a spiritual exercise this week to say, God, what do you want me to do? And what is it you would want me to pledge? And then when we come together next week, it's not about here for good, but we are going to have a moment in the service where some people will say, hey, let's do it together. Let's make our pledge together. Uh, but you can do it anytime this week and, uh, and, we'll ex- and, and just be praying, talking about it as a couple. What do we want to do? But go ahead and text HFG to 58578 or visit the website, as you can see, chaseoaks.org slash pledge. And we'll see what happens over this next couple of weeks as we'll either be able to do it or not. That's kind of the adventure of it. Now, we did approach leaders first because that's kind of how God works as he always asks leaders to go first. And so in, like I'm talking to like life group leaders and so on. Uh, we asked to be praying about this in advance. And so they've already, many of them have already, some of them still not, but many of them have made their pledges as they've been praying about this. And I want to share with you as a way of encouragement, because $8 million is a lot of money. Um, This is what that group of leaders, just a few hundred people, have pledged. And that is $4.919 million, which is amazing. Um, And uh, and whenever I look at that, I think, you know what? If we all do this, like, we can do this. I mean, they've given us a big step forward. They've given us a head start. We can pull this off. I mean, there's like 10,000 Chase Oakers. We can do this. And so as each person does our part. 
And so, again, just be praying because whether you're part of this project or not, please understand the big thing to hear today is God invites us to join him in what he's doing in the world, to reach those who are lost to him and restore all that is broken. And you and I always have a choice. Like I said, one thing that you and I are in complete control of is the amount of impact we live our lives with, the amount of purpose we live our lives with. God has teed up the opportunity. He's ready to use you in this world. He's ready to use you with your generosity, with your serving, with your time, all of it. But it's up to you. You're either going to be we're either going to be here for me or here for good. Either here for God's purposes or not. And I want us to. As a church, the same thing is true. It's so easy to be here for me, church. Be a church for religious people. But God, that's not what God's doing. Um, He wants to be a church for everybody and who joins with him in in reaching those who are lost and and moving into brokenness and need. And I want us to commit ourselves as a church to that. And I want to give you an opportunity to commit yourself to that too, to say, God, I want my life to be about what you're doing. So we're going to pray, and, and then I will pray for our country, too, in light of uh, this week and all that as we're commanded to. But right now, let's bow our heads together and do a here for good prayer. Let me just invite you right now in your own heart. This is, this is a bold statement I'm going to ask you to tell God. But if you're up for it, just say, God, I commit my life, I surrender my life to you. And for some of you, that may mean beginning a relationship with Jesus, just to say, God, I didn't know that's how it worked, that you came here to make it possible for me to know God, to know my creator. You want to come into my life and change me, that I've been in some ways lost, that you want to find me, like finding a child at the fair, and you want to pull me into your family, pull me into your circle. You want to come into my life, again, to change me, make my life new. I, that's crazy. And I say yes to that. And help me take new steps with you. And for those of us who know him, an opportunity to say, God, it's just so easy to move away from purpose. Would you move me toward purpose and and help me take whatever steps you want me to take? And as a church, I'll pray on our behalf, on, on for us. Father, I do pray for our church that you would help us in this moment to be a here for good church, to take this opportunity that you put in front of us. Father, I pray we'll raise way more than $8 million. That sounds crazy, but you're God. It's not crazy to you. And because our vision's bigger than that, it just, that's what seemed, you know, like we could do. And so, Father, I pray that we'll be able to do that and even beyond it. As we do these campuses, God, give us, let us know what that means for each of us to be part of those teams and to be inviting people to camp and all that, or how you want us to be involved in local good and, and how we can help there to be involved as digital missionaries. God, just, just, I pray that you help each, give each of us wisdom and as a church, help us move forward and take this leap, take this step. And God, I'll do pray for our country too. I know that you, there's just so much uh, brokenness in our country and there's, there's a lot of people who don't know you. And so father, would you help us as a church to be your people where you, called us to to reach them and i do pray in light of what's uh, happened this week i pray for our new president Um, you tell us to do that and i know some people right now are happy about our new president some people are not happy about our new president i pray that you would unify us around the fact that your god 
and you're in control. As you say, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And for those who are a little too excited, be still and know that I'm God. For those who are a little too anxious, be still and know that I am God. God, I pray you would unify our church around your mission, around your purpose. As I pray you'd unify our country as well. And I pray for wisdom for our leaders. In Jesus' name, amen.